seated this morning, and uh, wow, what a great opportunity today to worship together with our church family. I want to say thank you uh, for your prayers this week as we had an opportunity uh, to, to uh, go to a lot of meetings. How many of you just love meetings? Nobody said no one ever, right? And uh, I got to be a lot, of, a lot of meetings, and I thought I made this great uh, opportunity on Tuesday night. Um, for those of you who don't know, I was in some meetings in California this week and Tuesday night about 10 o'clock. I was scheduled to, to speak at a small uh, group on Thursday, or excuse me, on Wednesday morning at 11 o'clock, and then I had another wonderful meeting uh, scheduled at 12 o'clock. Uh, and Andrew Even, one of our missionaries with MANA, he came up to me. It was about 10 o'clock Tuesday night. Meetings were over, about to go home. And I asked him, how, you know, how many people have signed up for uh, the trip to Mexico tomorrow? And he said, oh, about 30 people. So we were in Anaheim uh, for meetings. And then we were, they were, MANA was taking a group that was going down to Tijuana uh, Wednesday in between the meetings. So the plan was to leave about 10.45, 10.30, and they were going to drive uh, really isn't that far, but about a two-hour drive down into Mexico. And uh, so I asked Andrew about the, the, the trip, how many are going. He said, we got about 30 that are going, and, um, but we got a problem. Our, our bus driver has canceled on us. He said, I've asked like 50 people if they still have their CDL. And then he said, do you happen to still have your CDL, your commercial driver's license? And as I said yes... I was trying to put the words back in my mouth. I said, yes. And then I was like, wait. And then I thought for a moment, I can get out of these meetings. Like, Praise the Lord. And so I, I moved. I was able to move to speak to 10. And then we, I ran right out and we got on the bus. And, and uh, I did learn something this week in California, especially Southern California. Uh, they drive in the rain and they react to rain about like we react to snow in Texas. Like the things just shut down, and so we we drove two hours uh, down to to the border, got to be in one of our new Mana feeding centers, and so I just want to take the opportunity to say thank you to those of you who give every week. Uh, as Nathan mentioned, we have an opportunity to give every week, and 15% of all the money that you give, that's maybe un, undesignated or just a part of your tithe, we immediately take 15% and we put that in our budget for missions, and it goes all over the world. And some of you give above that to our designated missions program, and so thank you for that. And then some of you give above that uh, to MANA. And so MANA had started this new center a few years ago, and uh, we had a great opportunity to, to try to communicate with kids. And uh, one thing kids love uh, to do is look at my phone and look at their picture. And so we had a blast with a few kids. Uh, I got to meet another kid named Jonathan. And uh, he reminded me of myself, because he, he, he was the only kid I saw that had two plates of food that day. Uh, but anyways, they were like kindred spirits, I guess. Uh, and so I thought, man, this is great. I'm so glad to be out of this meeting. Uh, and then on the three-hour-plus drive back, I thought, I really wish I would have been in that meeting. But no, it was, it was great. Um, I love Texas, and I'm glad to be back. And I love Hallmark Baptist Church, and I'm glad to be a part of this church. Open your Bibles to Exodus. We're going to be uh, in Exodus mostly 16 and 17, but we're going to start a little bit in Exodus chapter 15 uh, to kind of launch us into. And so we have been through this series. This is week six, 
And uh, we've talked, uh, we haven't hit every chapter, we're not going verse by verse through the book of Exodus, but uh, Exodus is, a, is really a part of uh, a book, four or five books, the first five books known as the Pentateuch. And so Exodus, really, it, it's where we get our word exit from. And so it's really the story of the exit, or the exodus of the, the, the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, the, the Israelites, as they went out of bondage, out of, of Egypt. And so we talked a lot. Last week we looked in, in the first part of chapter 15. And remember, first part of chapter 15 is a song. It's a song of worship. And, and they were worshiping God. And really, there's a lot of things we could pull out of that. But we pull, we pull four things out. They were worshiping God and singing to God for God's strength. The same thing we worship God today for because he is powerful and he's big enough to handle our problems. They also were worshiping God uh, for his strong right hand. And, and the hand of God in Scripture always represented God's power and God's presence. And, and that's what we did and had the opportunity to do this morning is just to worship the presence of God. You know God is with us right, right here in this moment today. And if you're a follower of Jesus, aren't you glad that God will never leave you or never forsake you? I made the decision as a 17-year-old to give my life to Christ, and I've made a lot of mistakes since then, but one thing I'm, I'm grateful that the Bible teaches me is that even though I make mistakes uh, daily, God will never leave me, and God will never forsake me. And when we gather in a place like this, it's just special to know God's power and His presence is here with us, isn't it? And so that's what they were worshiping, His power and His presence. They were worshiping his holiness and the aspect of his holiness that said that God chose to love them, that he chose to love the nation of Israel. And, and for us as followers of Christ, the same is, is said of me, that God chose me, that God chose me because he loved me and he loved me so much, he sent his son to die in my place, to take my punishment. I have a twin brother and one thing my twin brother never did for me was he never took my punishment for me. I think it would have been nice if he would have. Right? Can I get an amen for that? But you know what's also true? I never willingly took his punishment for him. But, but Jesus did that for me. He willingly laid down his life for me because he loves me. And they were worshiping that God loved them. And they were worshiping that they're gonna, their future was secure in the Lord. That God had promised them the the promised land, and what God promises, God delivers. God does not lie, and so they were worshiping that he, uh, their, their future was secure. And as a follower of Christ, guess what? Our future is secure. And so I praise, praise the Lord for that with them. And so Exodus chapter 15, remember they've seen a lot. The nation of Israel has been through a lot. They've seen a lot. They've seen the ten plagues. They, remember last week we looked, they, they were at the, the Red Sea, and it was no way to cross it. The army of the Egyptians were behind them, and they were stuck. What is going to happen? They were crying out, God deliver us. They were crying out, I wish we were back in Egypt. And God delivered them. Remember, they walked across on dry land. As they crossed, the Egyptian army come, and they were following them. God brought the waters onto them, and they all died. What a victory the nation of Israel Saw. And wouldn't you think that because of what they've experienced these last year or so, even in the last few days, that it would carry their faith a little bit? 
Let's see how long this mountaintop Red Sea crossing experience filled their faith. All right, verse 22 of Exodus chapter 15. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. They went out of the wilderness of Shur, and they went how many days? Three days. Remember that. They went three days in the wilderness, and they found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of the place was called Marah, which obviously means bitter. Verse 24, And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Three days after they've watched this amazing miracle of God, they're already doubting the power of God. Now, it's easy for us to think and maybe critique the Israelites for their lack of faith. But in your own life, have you, have you been in the same situation where you've seen God perform this amazing miracle and God has come through and you've been praying and God provided and, and it seems like the next week here comes another storm and how quickly we forget the faithfulness of God. You see, they had experienced God's power and presence, but they still doubted God's provision and his protection. Have you, have you ever been there? Everybody's scared to answer the question. Have you ever been there? We, we all have. We've all been in that. We've all experienced God's his power and his presence, and yet at the same time we've doubted his provision, his protection. Because we're, we're created and we want, to, we, like our mind is, I've got to have the answer yesterday, right? I, I need to have the problems fixed yesterday. I need God to move now and don't you wish God was, was working on your timetable? Anybody wish that? You probably really don't, but I mean, we, we all wish God. God, if you would just hurry up. Here's a question I want you to think about. Because remember, they're following the cloud by day and the, and the pillar of fire by night. It's, it's always a constant reminder of God's power and God's presence. It's right there. It's in the camp with them. It's leading them. It's guiding them. The power and the presence of God was visible. It was there, and yet they still doubted that he could protect and provide. Here's the question we need to wrestle with this morning. Is, is God enough for you? Is God enough? Let, let's think about this in several different ways. So let's think about this emotionally. Now, there's probably could divide the room in half by just asking the question. I'm not going to ask the question, but we could, of how many of you are by nature a worrier, and how many of you by nature are, you just don't care, you just go with the flow. Okay, those are kind of extremes. But worry is you having a conversation with yourself about something you can't change or control. But prayer is you having a conversation with God who can change and control. So change, if you're, a, I am going to ask, I said I wasn't. How many of you are, are a worrier? Raise your hand. I, I'm not going to tell you to be proud, but raise your hand. Okay, so you that raised your hand as a worrier, can I give you some encouragement today? You probably have the capability and the capacity to be the best prayer warriors in the, in the auditorium. Because you've already, you already know how to pray. The problem is you're praying to yourself and not to God. You're having the conversation with yourself about what could go wrong or what might go wrong or how everything could possibly, maybe, might happen to, you know, you guys know how you are. 
I, I'm not one of you. I'm sorry. Which is also one of the reasons I, I think I struggle to pray. If you're a worrier, just, just stop having the conversation alone. Have the conversation with God. Is God big enough to deal with your problems and your worries and your anxiety? Of course he is. What, what about physically? We just got out of Valentine's Day, right? And, and Valentine's Day can be a great day for some and a terrible day for others. But here's what our culture has created. Our culture has created a mindset that you have to have someone in order to be complete. And Valentine's Day does nothing else but uh, really prey in on that, that desire. Can, can I just be honest with you? Especially the younger people over here. You, you don't need someone else in your life to complete you. You don't need a relationship. You need God. So is God big enough that I, that I don't need a significant other, that I don't need a girlfriend, that you don't need a boyfriend? See, our culture has, uh, has falsely made us believe that we need a spouse to be complete. And if you're looking for a spouse to complete you, you're looking for them to fulfill a role only God can fulfill. If, if I expect my wife to complete me, then I'm setting her up for failure. And I'm setting myself up for unmet expectations. Who can complete me? I'm complete in Christ, in God alone. Now, I am thankful God gave me an awesome, beautiful, supportive wife. And the same can be true for her. If she's looking for me to, be, to complete her, then she's projecting on me something only God can do for her. And so she's setting me up for failure and herself up for unmet expectations. Is God enough? His power and his presence, is that enough? What about financially? This one's going to get difficult, right? Is God enough that I can trust him? As Nathan mentioned this morning about being, man, I get to come to church and I get to give back to God. That's a whole different perspective than what a lot of people look at giving. That I, it's an opportunity. It's a blessing to give. But when I realize that I am just the steward, I'm the manager, that everything I have is a gift of God. Chronicles says that. I adore you as a man in control of all things. Riches and honor come from you alone. It is by your hand that men are made great and given power. Nothing I have is because of me. It's all because of God. And when I have that perspective, then money becomes different. There's a mind shift there. That it's all God's anyways. I, I get to bless him and his people by giving back. Is God enough in my finances? Here, here's what I read this week. I actually heard it this week. If, if I cannot trust God and give him my first fruits, then the answer to that question is, God's not enough for me financially. I'll let you wrestle with that, and we'll move on. You'll get really quiet in here. So three days, and they're already lacking faith. Let's, let's keep reading uh, the story, all right? Verse 25. Where are we at? I can't read. Verse 20, make sure I'm going right here. I think I skipped some. Verse 25. So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed 
him a tree. When he cast in the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statue and ordinances for them, and there he did what? He tested them. Anybody in here love test? You got anybody that loves test. All right. Anybody good at test? Anybody good at cheating on test? Okay. These these never mind, I'm not, I'm not gonna talk about it. My brother and I, I am going to talk about something. My brother and I, we almost, we didn't because we're such good Christian young men, but uh, I was much better at history and, uh, in high school, and he was much better at math. And so we, we almost switched classes so I could take his test and he could take mine. And I would like to say that we didn't because, you know, we wanted to be God-honoring, but the truth is I just didn't trust him to pass my test. <laughs> And I, think, I don't think he trusted me either. Like, I knew he could do it, but I'm not sure he would do it. All right, verse 26, and, and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, this is the test, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. On your outline this morning, if you got your bulletin or maybe you're following along on the YouVersion Bible app, here's, here's the blanks we'll fill in for you. God tests us to teach us and train us. God tests us to teach us and train us. You know, God's not out to get you. God's not out to give you a failing grade. That's not his goal. His goal is to teach you and to train you. Uh, God wants to encourage you. God wants to strengthen you in your faith. He's not just trying to set you up for failure. The opposite of that, look at what it says about Satan. Satan tempts us to accuse us and to destroy us. You see, God's testing is always moving towards something positive. Satan's tempting is always moving towards the negative. And there's a difference. And sometimes I know in the middle of a trial or a test or a temptation, sometimes it's hard to differentiate between the two. But just understand God is good and he's always working for your good. And so if it's a test of God, he's moving you into a new area to strengthen your faith, to grow you in your faith. How many of you ever ever experienced a test from God? Raise your hand. How many of you are in a test from God right now, and you're like, okay, God, enough. And so he tests the nation of Israel, and I wonder how they do on their test. Let's look. All right, let's continue to look. Verse, well, let's, let me give you the, the blank here. Test number one. This is the test. Will they trust God to provide? It's amazing. They've seen all these miracles of God. They're three days removed from the Red Sea, and they're already doubting that God can protect and God can provide. The test. Will they trust God to provide? All right, let's, Exodus 16. And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt, in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out in the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with, with hunger." Did they pass the test? What's their grade here? 
zero or F, whichever you prefer. They didn't, they didn't pass the test, did they? You know, when we live with fear, which is what the Israelites did, in spite of faith, we fail to remember the faithfulness of God. Let me say that again. When we live with fear rather than faith, we fail to remember the faithfulness of God. What are they saying? They're, they're saying, Moses, remember, we're three days into this journey, okay? It's like taking your kids on a long vacation and two hours into the 10-hour drive, they're asking you, what? Are we there yet? And you just want to smack them across the face, right? What was, you know what my, my answer always was for that? We're here. We're here. And they got tired of asking the question because I said every time, well, we're here. I wasn't lying. We were here. We're still here. We're right here. All right. Parents, you can steal that if you like. But look how they described their time in Egypt. It was, they're describing like this all-you-can-eat buffet. We had all this food and all this water and life was so good. And when we live in fear instead of faith, we fail to remember the faithfulness of God. Let's take a journey back and remember what they really were thinking when they were in Egypt. Exodus chapter 2 says this, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. Wait, it doesn't sound like a food buffet and life being so good. They, they groaned because of bondage. They cried out. Their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Isn't it interesting how we sometimes misremember what really happened? And they're crying out, again, three days into the journey. Oh, I wish we were back in Egypt, and life was so good back in Egypt. Everything was great. And we fail to remember the faithfulness of God. They're the ones that cried out, God, get us out of this bondage. And God simply responded. But how do you think God responds to this? I, I kind of equate this, this three days into the journey. They're already complaining. They're, they're mad at Moses. And they're saying, why didn't you just leave us in Egypt and die? I kind of equate this to that um, temper tantrum at Walmart. You guys, it's funny, the other day I was talking to a new parent, and they said, I don't remember exactly how they said it, they said, man, when I used to go to Walmart and see those kids, I always just thought, could you just control your kid? <laughs> like, I was a great parent until I became one. And when I, was, when I was a kid, those temper tantrums, they were handled a lot differently than they are now in the Walmart. You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, you had people in the store lined up to help your parent bust you. Like, take a line. Every, you know, at the church I grew up in, I, everyone, it seemed like, had free access to do what they wanted to me in the middle of anywhere. You know what I'm talking about? I was sore all the time. And it's, it's kind of a different culture now, isn't it? You, like, got to go in the bathroom and hide and wait till everybody's cleared out. And we wonder why, anyways, we won't get into that. 
get into that. How does God respond to their temper tantrum? Look at Exodus 16, the very next verse, verse 4. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. He kind of responds differently than I would have thought. Okay, well, let me bless you. He responds with mercy. And as much as I think, God, you should, give, you should lay the hammer down. It's the kid in the Walmart wanting the piece of candy. You know that's why they put the candy there, right? And, and God, you need to spank them. And you need to judge them. And what does he do but give them mercy? And then I think about my own life. And I think about God's mercy in my life. And I have to sit back and say, I'm glad God responds with mercy to me. Because the truth is, in my life, even as a pastor, sometimes I, I react like the kid in Walmart who wants the piece of candy. And I say, God, you haven't given me anything. You know, like they say Disneyland, Disney World is the happiest place on earth. Have you ever been to those places? And the kid has the greatest day of their life, and they're still not happy. You, you've been there, right? And I'm thankful that God shows mercy to them because he shows it to me as well. Let's keep reading. Let's, we're going to skip to verse 12. Uh, Exodus 16, verse 12. I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At the twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was that the quails came up in the evening and covered the camp, and in the morning the, the dew lay all around the camp, and when the layer of the dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. And what would that be known as? Manna, the manna from God, that they would eat for the next 40 years. God responds with mercy. You see, God's tests are never meant to destroy us. God's tests are always meant to increase our faith and to give him glory. When, when God walks me through a test and, and I'm faithful to have faith instead of fear, on the other side of that test, it always allows me to say, wow, God, God is good. God is faithful. And even though I couldn't see it at the time, I, I see the hand of God in that process. And so I always get to point back to God's glory. So the second test here that we just read about is will they be obedient to God? If you're filling out the blank, the second test, will they be obedient to God? So let's read about it. Exodus 16, verse 16. This is a thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to one's needs. One omer for each person, which is two quarts. According to the number of persons, let every man take for those who are in his tent. And then the children of Israel did so, and they gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's needs. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Is that pretty clear instructions? And they were supposed to get one omer for every person in their house, and they were supposed to eat it all or get rid of it by the end of the night. One helping for one day for one person. Let me read it again. Verse 19, And Moses said, Let no one leave any of it until morning. 
Verse 20, are they going to be obedient? Some of you already know the answer to that. Verse 20, notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. Some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank. And that sounds like your your, uh, teenager's room, doesn't it? And Moses was angry with them. Verse 21, so they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need, and when the sun became hot, it melted. So the grade here, did they pass the test? No. F. They didn't listen to the instructions. You see, what, what God was teaching them, it, it's, it's modeled for us in the, in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus said, give us this day our what? Our daily bread. And so what God was wanting to teach the nation of Israel is that every day I'm going to provide for you. I'm not going to give you extra because I want you to know that tomorrow you can still be, depend on me. God is going to be faithful today, and you can trust that he's going to be faithful tomorrow. And I think the assumption here is the reason Moses was angry was because these people gathered and they saved some, not because they were on a diet and wanted to, to, to ration it. It was because they were scared that maybe God is not going to, to be faithful tomorrow. And so they held some back. And I wonder if sometimes that's why we're so, it's so hard and so difficult for some of us to give. Because giving is just an example, it's just an opportunity to say, God, I trust you. Giving off the top, what we see in scripture, the first fruits, is an example, it's a testimony to say, God, I trust you. So they didn't listen, they were disobedient. They didn't have faith. Let's keep reading verse 22. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one, and all the rulers of the congregation came until Moses. So on Friday, they were supposed to gather two helpings for two days because on the Sabbath, on Saturday, they were going to rest. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 23. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today, and boil what you will boil, and lay up for yourselves all that remains to keep it until morning. So they laid it up till morning, and Moses commanded it. It did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, Eat that today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, so on the sixth day, they're going to collect enough for two days' worth of food. Because on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, what did it just say? There is not going to be food on the ground. It seems really simple. Verse 27. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day together, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Isn't it easy to look at the nation of Israel? I mean, we, it's very simple. Gather one omer. Don't save any for the next day. And they disobey. On the sixth day, gather enough for two days, because on the seventh day, there's not going to be any manna out in the field. And what do they do? They go out on the seventh day, and where's the manna? Isn't it easy to look at the nation of Israel at times and think, wow, you guys, and I'll let you do your own adjectives there. Think about that. But before we point our fingers and criticize them, let's be self-reflective first. How well are you trusting God with your tomorrow? 
You see, if the deliverance out of Egypt represented their salvation, then the wandering in the wilderness represented their sanctification. It was the process of God growing their faith. I got saved on, when I was 17 years old in 1991, but it has been a long process of sanctification. God trying to make me more like Jesus. And for me to become more like Christ, this process of sanctification, it, this, this process is daily me saying, God, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to obey. I'm going to trust that you're going to provide and that you're going to protect. What test are you in right now? Just think about it for a moment. And some of you are like me right now. It seems like life is going pretty good. And that scares me a little bit. But pause for a moment. What things are typically get you aggravated? What things frustrate you? That may be a key to where God is, is testing you so that you'll let him have control. What in your life is... is Sometimes tests are real obvious, aren't they? And sometimes it's the pop quiz you weren't expecting. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's your finances. It's a job. Look at Exodus 17, verse 7. Exodus 17, verse 7. So he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying is the Lord among us or not the nation of Israel is griping and complaining look what these two words mean Massah testing it's a place of testing Meribah which I hope that we will not respond to God's testing with quarreling You see, when we live in fear and not faith, we fail to remember the faithfulness of God. And we also fail to see where God is working. Look, what, look at the question back in verse 7 of Exodus 17. Understand the attitude here. They, they're failing to trust God. They're failing to be obedient to God. They failed both tests. And what does that attitude lead to? Look at verse 17 and the question they have. Saying, is the Lord among us or not? When I fail to trust and obey God, it leads me to wonder, is, is God even here? Is God even available? Where, where is God in this mess? It's similar to what we talked about a few weeks ago, that, that worry always draws us away from worship, but worship always draws us away from worry. And when we fail to trust God daily, it leads us to question, well, where is God anyways? And we forget about the faithfulness of God. 
that's why in the Old Testament we also see these moments in time when they laid out the stones of remembrance. You, you read about the stones of remembrance, and when God would do something big in their life in the nation of Israel, they would lay stones. And, and, and so when the, when the children would ask, hey, Dad, what, what are, what's that pile of rocks over there? They would say, that is the testimony of the faithfulness of God. And I'm thankful in my life that there are some stones of remembrance. You know, about 27 years ago, it was a really small stone of remembrance, but it, it's been something in my life that I've always thought back on to know that God is in control. And when, when Joy and I first got married, I was uh, loading trucks at O'Reilly Auto Parts in Springfield, Missouri. I think I made five fifty an hour, praise Jesus. And I was going to school full-time. Joy was going to school full-time. She was working at the missions office at the school, making, I think, four twenty-five an hour. That's a lot of money, right? Trying to pay our school bill, trying to live on pretty much nothing. And we are at the end uh, of, the, of the cupboards, right? There's nothing left to eat. We've got a few days left before the paycheck comes. And I'm just stubborn enough not to call my parents and say, hey, send me some money. It wasn't quite as easy to send money as it is now. Now my son texts me and he says, hey, can you send me you know, money on the cash app? How many of you cash app? It's just a ploy for your kids to get your money. That's all it is, all right? Don't download it onto your phone, okay? But I was just a little stubborn, and I, I, don't, I don't remember telling anyone. I went to school that day in my middle mailbox. I, if I remember, I was like 25 bucks that someone gave us. I have no idea to this day, you know, we're 27 years away from that or 26 years away from that. I, I don't know who gave me that. But they also put in there an, uh, a coupon for a free Domino's pizza. Can I get an amen to Domino's <laughs> Man, a college student, that was like the best thing ever. And uh, so, like, hey, God, God provided at least one meal. It was manna from heaven. Amen. And I ordered the pizza that night after I got home from work, and the guy forgot to take my coupon. <laughs> and I, I think that I legitimately forgot to give it to him. So the one free pizza turned into the second free pizza. And the second time, he forgot to ask for the coupon again. And the third time I got the pizza, I gave him the coupon. It's like such a weird memory. But you know what it is a memory of? God's faithfulness, his provision, his protection. And this morning, whatever the test maybe you're going through today, can I just assure you? We've, we've talked about this almost every week in this series. God knows. God sees. God hears. God cares. And, and he's faithful. Trust. The, the question we have to wrestle with him is, the Israelites failed the test. Am I going to trust? And I'm, am I going to obey? That's the question for us, so we have to answer it. And, and here's maybe the good news, maybe the bad news, I don't know. Tomorrow morning when you get up, guess what the question is? Am I going to trust? And I'm, am I going to obey? God is faithful. And God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? And I know some of you are new this morning, and we're not quite done, but we're going to have an opportunity at the, here in a moment. I'm going to pray and and then we're going to have an opportunity just to worship. 
And we're going to sing an awesome song about how great God is. And it's an opportunity, just the last time after we've heard God's word, to respond in worship. It's also an opportunity this morning, maybe if, if you would like for one of us, the leaders of the church, to pray with you. We'll be standing down here at the front. We're going to be facing you. And if you need someone to pray with, we would love to pray with you. But this morning, maybe you would just like to come to the altar and just be by yourself and say, God, I want to, I want to talk to God by myself. Then just, you can walk forward this morning and, and do that. We're not going to interrupt you. If you want to pray with us, just walk up and shake our hand and we'll be glad to pray with you. If you want to pray alone, you can do that this morning. But let's wrestle with the question this morning. Am I in a test? And if so, am I going to trust? And am I going to obey? God, I thank you for this day. And Lord, I thank you that in spite of my failures, in spite of our failures, in spite of the nation of Israel's failures, God, you always respond in mercy and grace. Lord, I know this morning that there's people in this room that are, are in the middle of a test. So God, I pray that you would, you would encourage them. Lord, you've promised that the, the Holy Spirit would be our comforter. So I pray for the Holy Spirit to, to comfort them and strengthen them and give them courage. Lord, I pray you'd give them uh, the ability to increase their faith, to just say, God, I'm I don't see you, I don't hear you, I don't understand, but I trust. I trust and, I, and I'm going to obey, God, whatever you want. I surrender to your plan and your will for my life. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are a good, good God. That you are a great God above all things. Lord, in this next few minutes of worship, Lord, help us just to, to worship you. Lord, help us to respond. If we need to respond in prayer, that we would not be ashamed, that we would come forward and we would pray. If we need to talk to someone, Lord, give someone the courage to walk forward and, and, and ask someone to pray with them today. Now, Lord, help us just to worship you. We're grateful for you today. Lord, it's in your precious name of Jesus that we pray. Would you stand with me this morning? As I said, we're going to close out the service with a time of worship. If you'd like to pray alone, feel free to come forward. You're welcome to sit at your pew and, and pray where you're at. If you'd like for us to pray with you, we're standing here. Just shake your hand and ask us. We would be glad to pray with you today.